everyone and welcome to the american scouser podcast it is monday we are back well us two are back and bj is here bj is here greetings he says but i know deep inside he's hurting because he doesn't get to ask trivia and get you guys stumped this we had a good one this week actually too but i'm your host as always emotion in cold ash chicago and with us this week is galley as always galley what's happening oh not too much i i love the fact that we don't have trivia when paul's not here purely because we don't want to have that segment without putting him through that pain at the same time I like the fact that you respect the fact that I will just ruin a segment by myself with stupidity <laughs> and bad answers. So uh, hi to everybody from Kazi to BJ uh, right across the world. Well, I mean, here's another thing. Like you need Bickler so that he buys you those extra like 30 seconds of like thinking time. So I don't want to put you on the spot like that. So absolutely. You know, yeah, Bickler is under the weather, uh, under a blanket, uh, shaking, shivering somewhere. So hope he feels better and he'll be back with us next Monday. Uh, we're going to fly just us two and with a ton of live audience over here. Cosgrove says, where's the Liverpool Skip Bayless? And honestly, good thing Bickler is not here because the moment he hears Skip Bayless, he would probably go. Alan is here bragging about how it's freaking 48 degrees in houston first of all you're late second of all <laughs> no one cares if it's warmer over there or not yeah you are late alan i'm disappointed thoroughly disappointed you might be the first one kicked off the island uh but it was actually <laughs> 44 degrees at one point this afternoon in new england so we're supposed to get close to 50 degrees tomorrow I don't know how this is happening. Um, I don't like talking about political things that rhyme with, you know, robo warming. Um, but there is a reason that it's really warm up here and we're not having a lot of winter anymore. So I will say, Alan, if it's only 48 in Houston, then you should really probably feel bad for yourself because the people of New England think that feels kind of balmy right now. Yeah, you know what that means, buddy. Time to move. Time to move to the East Coast. 61 and stuff. What is going on? I mean, freaking Florida is 75. Yeah, I mean, we're getting a heat wave this weekend in Chicago. It's supposed to be in mid-30s. Uh, so can't wait. <laughs> Pretty excited about that. Looking forward to that. Uh, so let's get to our boys. Uh, we'll start with the game, I figured. So, Gally, give me a reason <laughs> why we should talk about this game after we talked about the Chelsea game what was different? I think if we compare it to the old Brighton game, there's a huge difference. Even Klopp said, you know, yeah, we lost, but it was a lot better. But I think when the bar is that low, obviously there's going to be an improvement. Compared to the Chelsea game and with similar lineups and stuff like that, I mean, where do you, like, what is the biggest difference that you saw? Well, I mean, the biggest difference was, was we lost. Instead of Drew, we conceded two goals. I think there's frustration in that. Um, I think a, a comment might have just come in about the subs. They didn't work in this match. I think they worked a little better in the Chelsea match. But let's be honest, nothing really worked in the Chelsea match except for we didn't concede. And for me, that was the one really driving factor coming out of the Chelsea match was could we build on the defensive stability that that four created at the back? And I don't feel we really did that in this Brighton match. We gave up big chances again. Brighton took one or two of them, missed a couple as well. And 
And mind I you, he the... gave those in the Chelsea game too. We even talked about it last Monday that they, they could have easily scored if they were able to finish. Oh, absolutely. The 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 set pieces alone in the Chelsea match, I felt yeah. like we were giving up one after another. And again, we concede on a corner. And I know it was off a deflected shot, but it was also off a weak defended ball to create the yes. corner. And I think that was my real problem with the corner. And I know um, me and Kazi in the Discord were arguing about whether the deflection was a was worn of a bad defense on the corner. And I'm actually with him. It was a fluke goal, the first goal. Anytime a defender turns in a ball that's going to go wide, that's what you consider a fluke goal. But it was kind of lazy closing or not closing down by Gomez once again in the first half that led to that corner. And I think when you're struggling to defend free kicks, you can't give them away cheaply. And I felt like once again, we came into this first half giving away cheap free kicks and giving away corners and set pieces. And we put ourselves under pressure and unfortunately it led to their equalizer. And some of those set pieces that you're giving is basically you're like a second late, you're a half a second late to the tackle and stuff like that. Especially we saw that, honestly, we saw that more once we did the subs. And I think that's why it really went down because it totally shut down the momentum uh, we were kind of like slower to everything suddenly. And then we were making the fouls, obviously, like Fabinho and stuff like that. Uh, but I feel like, I mean, like Kazi is saying, you know, we, there was more like attacking. But I don't, I did not see that personally. I think what we're really lacking right now, you look at this team, and I know we talk about midfield all the time. And we kind of like touched up on this last week too. I really think we don't have any fear going forwards to teams now. So they're able to attack a lot more at will than they used to. Because I just feel like we're not putting the same scare as we did when we had Diaz on left, you know, Bobby in the middle, Mo on the right. Regardless of like what kind of an arrangement you had, you had speed, you had like interplay, and, you know, you force teams to defend a bit more. I just feel like there is not as much anymore. You can park somebody back there, and kind of like cover us comfortably looks like. So people are able to push their backs up and stuff like that, which obviously is harder to defend then. So I really think I did not see, like, what do you think of the attacking or like offense that we have in recent games? I think there's a issue with the fluidity of the front three in general right now. And I don't think it matters who's up there. If it's Elliot, if it's Mo, if it's Nunez, or Gakpo. I thought this was Gakpo's best performance yet in a red jersey. I thought he yeah. looked the part of uh, the complete footballer, which is why I think Klopp plays him through the middle, which is just driving all of us crazy because we all know he wants to play out wide left. And we want Nunez, I think, to play through the middle and learn to be the central force that we paid 90 million pounds for to score goals and be that, you know, number nine that we're, we, we so need. So I think Klopp sees him more as a Bobby Firmino type player, though, like a, a footballer. And it's taken a little bit for him to understand the positions. He put people in two or three times uh, in yesterday's match. He ran behind two or three times and had opportunities. Once he was found and the other two times he was missed. 
And he had two or three killer balls, including the one to Harvey Elliott that I think Kazi mentioned earlier in the chat that if he gets a good first touch on it, you know, he's got a yeah. brace and we're up two nil. If Mo doesn't finish the first one and we're up three nil. So there were opportunities to score goals. And I think you have to find that as a positive, but we're still struggling to balance. And I think that goes back to, you know, Kazi saying, you know, super poor right now, basically have six first team players out, Jota, Diaz, Bobby, Verge, and then, you know, Fab and Hendo are there, but it's they're like twin brothers or something like that. It's not the same guys that we're used to. And you look at that, that's the spine right there of a team that you're missing. Uh, and I think that it really shows because there is like a lot of disconnect between lines. And, you know, you play against a good team like Brighton, that's a lot easier to take advantage of. And I think even Klopp was saying that they made the adjustments compared to the game that we lost 3-0. And they were able to kind of like stop those balls to get in between the lines that we have. But as we made the subs, that went downhill. So what do you put that to? Are these guys that out of form? Or it's just a matter of, you know, you make subs, which you have to. I mean, you could tell even in the Discord channel, people were saying that, you know, we need subs fast because you could see tire legs. You could start to see the tire legs in midfield. So you had to make the subs. Is it just a matter of form or is it just a matter of putting in cold guys into like a high fast paced game and basically not being able to keep up pace with it? Well, I, I, I think it's putting in guys that are used to starting. Right, they're they're used to starting. Jordan Henderson isn't used to coming off a bench and yeah. making an impact in the 60th minute in his 30 plus year old frame. He's used to having the mental preparation that morning, getting ready, starting, stretching, you know, playing the first half and and maybe finishing the match if not coming off late. So, I think you're asking some players right now to do things that it's not exactly in their skill sets. I think for Henderson's sense, he's completely out of form, out of confidence, and maybe the legs really are run off him. Maybe going to Qatar and playing such important minutes, both physically and you know emotionally, for in the World Cup, kind of wore on him a little bit more than we even thought. Um, because he's been a shell of himself since the World Cup. Yeah. And Fabinho, you know, we've been talking about this on this podcast since the middle of the second half of last year, from about April on, that his form was dropping and that it got really poured down towards the stretch. We thought a summer would give him the recharge. I don't know that it worked. Um, <laughs> nope. You know, we, we, we didn't bring in any cover for him, which didn't help. And he's gone through a lot of personal stuff, like having his first baby, which you know, I can only imagine is a major stress thing on any human being's life. I don't have a child of my own, but uh, I'm sure you could attest twice over that that is a big change. Dude, you had a freaking puppy and your life changed. Just imagine. <laughs> and, and for that reason, I try not to pretend like I understand. Um, so for all the reasons we talk about, Fabinho's obviously dropped off. The one that really baffled me, though, was Nunez. And I was clamoring. I was frustrated when I saw the lineup come out. I won't lie. That Nunez wasn't starting. And then I thought to myself, maybe Klopp just knows I don't have a fully fit side and I need a game changer from the bench. I want a person who can come in 
and win the match. And then he came in, and in my opinion, it the entire attack basically went south as soon as Nunez came in the match. I thought he was really, really poor. Worst I've seen him in a while. Yeah, the interplay definitely stops. I mean, you maybe gain some pace over the top and stuff like that, but it felt like the interplay and movement suddenly stopped uh, when Nunez come in, came in. And I was obviously that could to do with, you know, all the other changes too. Maybe that affects the front. I think sometimes we isolate a line a bit too much without, you know, considering what's changing on the other ones and especially with midfield and front it just feels like those two lines where is bobby when you need him that we're not able to connect it as well or harvey could be that player probably but we have to use him on the wing and i think that's so you think really that was the decision making behind you i almost felt like you know going back to what bickler kept saying that he didn't want a strong lineup over here the league was more important there was no point in trying to get 90 from Nunez. Let's, you know, because we need him against in the Premier League coming up this weekend to start. I just feel like you didn't even start him against Chelsea. You hadn't played him the match before. It just felt like this was an opportunity to get him off the snide. And you have a week off before your next match. It's not like they're playing midweek because, you know, excuse me, we're not in the League Cup semifinals like last year like we're not playing every match on offer so you had a week off he hasn't been scoring i felt like it was an opportunity to just go out there and attack and start with mo gakpo and nunez through the middle or you know probably gakpo through the middle and nunez on the left yeah probably yeah and but it just didn't it didn't make sense to me to sit Nunez in this match, except for the, you're bringing him on to be the impact, you know, game changing sub. Cause he's the only one you have. And then when he comes in, it just felt like other than that one time where he brought it down the left, cut it back inside and you thought he was going to shoot. And then he laid it off to, I think no one, he like dropped it off and it was just intercepted by the defender. And that was when Klopp started screaming about, tell him I'll take him off and they caught it on the on the microphones and I thought that was almost like him yelling out onto the pitch to get a message to Nunez like let him know if he won't shoot I'll take him off because like he sent him out there to win the match yes and then he tried to pass frustrating but, you it know, just, that's the thing with the striker, though. Like, you can't freaking win. Like, if he takes a shot over there, you're like, dude, why don't you pass it to a better guy or something like that and then not be the, the striker that takes the shot and stuff. But I think, you know, obviously, like, Mo missing that chance. So there's a lot of talk about Mo. And, of course, you know, it's a lot easier to come afterwards and, like, criticize everything. Well, like, maybe we should have kept money and not Mo and stuff like that. So last time Bickler wasn't here, we made a pie. And with this diet I got going, the more pies we make, the better over here, virtual pies. So let's make a pie with Mo. Uh, so most current performance slash form slash uh, lack of productivity. Where do you put that? How do you divide that between? Because I personally am not buying the, oh, he got his contract and he settled. Because I don't think he's that kind of a personality. Uh, you don't take care of your body like that. And, you know. Uh, live that lifestyle and stuff like that, and just be, oh, you got the contract now. Like it's not like he's like eating baklavas over there and kicking back. Uh, but between like Mo and um, 
or do you put it because of like the midfield and like how many balls he's getting fed the system where he's like holding you know hugging the linesman uh, most of the season so far or the fact that we're missing so many people up front and there is no consistency cohesion a lot of slices in this pie there are a lot of slices there um <laughs> So I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to serve this up for the listeners here, um, without as much confusion as the question. So one slice, he is definitely too wide in the current formation and setup. He's just not in front of goal enough, and we know that Mo's not a guy who needs two chances to score a goal. He probably needs three or four chances, and then he scores his goal. And that's okay. That's the type of player that he is. Um, so he should be, as much as possible, moved inside, if not played centrally, especially now that we need to get him going. Second slice, I think too much is being talked about about the weakness and the terribleness of the midfield for why the offense isn't firing. And the only reason I say that is, is I think the midfield has given the offense opportunities to attack in the final third. And our top three aren't firing together. I do think that Bobby being gone is a huge, huge part of that. Um, And don't make fun of me. (laughs) I've been saying it all year long. I I know, but you were about to. Yeah, uh, but I've been and I have been saying it all year long, but I also think what's not getting talked about. And I started saying this a few weeks ago. I think Jota has been missed a lot more in all of this from the way we played to the extra goals we scored that won us matches that were going to be draws or got us draws that were going to be losses where we just pop up and score one of those random headers out of nowhere. And you're like, we scored. And then you're like, oh, it's Jota celebrating in front of the cop. It makes sense. He just pops up in a spot you don't even think he'll be in. And at five foot nothing, he's like, ha I play FIFA a lot. This is where they tell you to be. Um, and I, I just, I say it tongue in cheek and making fun, but I, I really do believe those are the big factors right now why Mo's not firing as much. It's as much the cohesion of the top three and him being deployed a little bit too wide, which I think was to tactically try to help Darwin originally. And I think Klopp's one of these guys that just stays with his overall tactics that he deploys early. And we're just kind of watching the same story pan out every week. I almost get the feeling sometimes that's why Gakpo, like Gakpo is more like central and Nunez is on the left because Nunez always kind of like shifts over to the left. So that isolates, you know, Mo even more. So I almost feel like maybe that's why you're playing Gakpo in the middle and you were playing, you know, like Nunez on left. But what is the biggest slice there, though? Now that you cut it up and chopped it up over here, uh, like what do you give it like the biggest slice to? Do you think it's just the fact that you know, like somebody like Bobby isn't there, uh, or somebody central isn't there to be more dangerous so that Mo can have more space. I think the absolute biggest slice is the club has dropped off at a level that I think where Mo scored a lot of those goals were because there was a combination between Bobby pressing 
and those two midfielders behind him and Fabinho and Henderson being all over everyone, that Mo is constantly put in positions of being one-on-one to one-on-two to defenders he could get shots off, and he was scoring goals. And I think that because we're not winning the ball back at all. I mean, Brighton basically dominated possession against us for the entire match. At any point they wanted, they had possession of the match. We were playing on the counter (laughs) on the road in the FA Cup with a side like Brighton playing a weakened team. Wasn't even their best 11. No, yeah, exactly. And and they played at us. <laughs> and we put out the best players we could on that day. I mean, it... it but it wasn't our best of, 11 either, to be fair. Like, nowhere near. Like he says, you know, you're missing no, the half the 11. We got too. lots of six... We have lots of hurt people. But honestly, even if Van Dyke was there and playing and we started Henderson and Fabinho, right now, we wouldn't be that much better than Brighton. No, and I think that goes back. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the form. And I agree with, like, the whole Mo thing. I think it's, you know, we were talking about it this morning, actually, with the the coffee show with Matush, that, you know, as a striker, sometimes, like you were saying earlier, like, Mo needs those multiple chances to score. He's not a high conversion guy. I mean, when he was, like, in total good form and he had the full confidence, I think he was finishing a lot more and he was taking those shots uh, without thinking at all and not, you know, it looked like forcing. I always go back to I was talking about this morning that fourth goal that we scored against uh, United at Old Trafford, where this ball is like coming to him bouncing, and he doesn't even like try to control it. He just like one times it. Where that's just confidence. No, it, more, more right now is trying to control that, get past the guy, then shoot it. Whereas then he just took it one time right into the corner. I think part of that is like confidence. Another part of that is I think knowing that those chances are going to keep coming. And so you don't have to make this one count knowing you're going to get more of these. So if this doesn't go, the other one will go. I'm just going to do my thing. Eventually the goals are going to come. And I think that's kind of like building up for the entire front line. And I think that's what we're missing the most. I think like when we talk about like midfield and the back line, obviously Van Dijk not being there and stuff like that, transform and all that kind of stuff. I think that's what we're missing the most. We're not putting a scare into anybody. I think Elliot, when Elliot is your best attacking player, who's probably like more like your attacking midfielder normally, I think there's a lot of concern there. So let me ask you this. Given the chance, the magic wand, if you will, if you had to pick one player that you want to be in peak form right now to get us out of this rut, who are you picking? Could be injured, could be just out of form. Any player you're like, man, I'm taking this guy. Poof, he's going to be in top form. I'm going to put him in the starting 11. Uh, I mean, if you gave me a healthy Luis Diaz right now, absolutely top form, best he's ever played for the club, which is basically what pulled us to two trophies last year in the second half of the season. It's Diaz all day long. Um, If you told me that I can't have him because he's actually hurt and he's not going to be back this year. And that's not factual, you know, to what me and Brian Shelton think should happen. Then it's Mo because when Mo is firing, the rest of the team seems to kind of carry along with him and kind of pick it up. 
And I think what will happen if Mo is going, then I think if Mo's cooking, then Bobby's probably right there with him. Because there aren't many facts, there aren't many times in Mo's time here at Liverpool where Bobby isn't involved in his biggest highlights. So the two of them kind of come together. So Bo and Mob, Bo and yeah, you know what I'm Bo saying. <laughs> Go and Bo and Mommy. <laughs> You, I, I'm not going to do it a third time. I, I, I'm stupid enough to do something once, even dumb enough to do it twice, not three. Yeah, so see, if Mo you say that, and I Bobby would... get going, I think they are a big, big key. But it's all about the front for me. I, As much as you can say Fabinho, but here's the thing. I think the Bastard kid has played in the last few matches about as well as you could ask Fabinho to play at times. He played great against Chelsea. Yeah. He played really good against Brighton. It, at this point, you keep giving him starts. And you make Fabinho get out of it and become Fabinho again. Yeah, I think so. I mean, or, but then that goes back to, you know, he is not, I mean, maybe at this age, he should start getting used to the role of coming off the bench and like building that mindset. And probably the same goes for Hendo, similar to Milner, like being able to come off the bench and, you know, do his thing. But here's my thing, because I was torn, I was thinking Diaz or Bobby or, you know, Bo or Mommy. But, um, (laughs) but, um, Probably more Bobby than anything else, to be honest with you. Because I think, uh, you know, a healthy, informed Bobby, if you have Nunez next to him or Gakpo on the other side, whoever you have on the left-hand side next to him, can make that click. Because I also thought, do I even say Mo? But if we do that, aren't we automatically making a slice earlier a lot bigger, thinking his form it's is his causing fault. this whole thing? Yeah, and... And I didn't want to do that too. That that was why I was trying to be realistic. But if you ask me who I think could help us turn it around the fastest, right now, as much as we need a midfield that can stop another team, what we need more than anything is goals Yeah. to win points. Because we're not getting goals. And when you don't get goals, you put more pressure on your weak defense. And your goalkeeper, who is by far your you know, club player of the season. And it's not, I mean, we might as well just hand them the award. And that's always a bad sign, isn't it? When your, you know, player, your best player is your goalie. That's all. That's never a good sign. And I don't even think that's a question mark. I think that is, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's not even this season. That's not even a question. So as much as we need Henderson and Fabinho and our senior midfielders to step up and make plays, we really need to start scoring up front and get and get back into form. My only concern with Bobby being the player or the most important is it is hard to assume that he'll be able to stay healthy for a long period of time because it's been a while now since he's been able to hold a good two, three-month period without an injury of some kind. And that's going back a couple seasons now. And I think we've talked about that when I've, you know, been slayed here for saying things like rightfully, I might add, (laughs) and then falling on the sword. When we talk about, you know, 
where he stands in the side and in the squad and his, you know, his overall kind of spot on the depth chart. It all comes down to his availability. And it hasn't been what he would want or the club would want over the last probably year to year and a half. And I think that's a big, big key because we do need him, but we also have to recognize this is why players like, you know, whether it's Gakbo or whether it's Carvalho, like someone needs to be Mom. grooming, <laughs> no, groomed along to play yeah. his role in this offense, or the tactics need to change where his role in the middle of link up isn't so required to make things work for the guys on the wings. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I want to go back to that, what you just said. But before then, I mean, uh, Brian says like Diaz puts sides on their heels and gives this midfield a break. And I think that's what goes back to what I was, I, I agree. And I think that mm-hmm. kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think, you know, we keep harping on you know, the back line or Trent or Gomez or whatever and the midfield and stuff. But I think if we have an attacking force that puts more fear into teams, that protects the back a lot more. Yep. But the reason I say I think, and as I think about it more and more, because I was kind of like torn and I want to get your take on it. I say I think Bobby, because not only attacking wise, I think defending wise, mm-hmm. he makes us better. He's the trigger to that press up top. And I think maybe, because one thing that Diaz does sometimes is as he's pressing, he falls out of position and stuff like that. I think what Bobby does is he kind of like keeps that front press together and then enables, you know, like whoever is behind them, whether it's Hendo or Fab or Keita, Elliot, whoever it's going to be, to push up to the next guy and win the ball. And that's when we catch the other team and we get like a lot easier goals. And when you do that, you get more opportunities to people like Mo who needs those opportunities to be able to score. So that's why I always feel like, you know, that's as I watch these games, the last three, four games, as I watch the games, that's all I can think of is this is what we're missing. And it's not a matter. Sadly, it's not a matter of, you know, as we come to the transfer deadline tomorrow and stuff, everybody's talking about, you know, getting this guy who's getting this and stuff like that. Sadly, our situation is more the injuries are there. It's not a matter of, you know, we need to get somebody. We have the guys. It's just a matter of them being available, hopefully, in February. And I I always fear with attacking players, it takes a lot longer for them to come back and, you know, get in form and stuff. But let's hope for the best over there. So I wanted to read you this. And then what you... This is actually from Pep. And I don't know, I just came across this. It showed up on my feed today, and I kind of feel like it goes with what we've been talking about. I kind of want to get your take on it. It's a Pep quote. I don't know how old it is. I don't know if it's like regarding their like recent form or whatever. But so Pep says, when we win, the game model seems good, and it's not questions. But bear in mind, we won't always win. Then doubts will come. That is the moment when we will have to trust the model more than ever because the temptation to move away from it will be very strong. Which is kind of like, you know, we keep saying, hey, we got to try something different and stuff like that. Or is it a matter of being patient so the guys you have start doing what needs to be done better? I don't know if there's a correct answer to this. I just want to get your take. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I like the question. Here, Here's how I'll respond to it. To Pep's point, I agree with him. When you have a plan and it has worked for you. It's in the times that it gets toughest that sticking with the plan is the hardest thing to do. 
but it's always the most prudent, right? Because that's yeah. that was your goal, and that's what's made you winners and champions and all these great things. So on the macro level, that makes all the sense in the world. If we break this down to our Liverpool side right now and how we would apply that quote to us, for me, it doesn't hold as much water from this standpoint. I think we've shifted to the talent we have on our side, in our side, to actually alter what tactics we do to actually be the most successful. So I think you don't have to, if you can't stick to the plan, if you've changed up some of the ingredients in which that plan works through. And I think right now we can't play the four, three, three high energy tempo that we want it to play. And I think our best players, when we want to put out our best 11, don't fit into that formation. So for us, in a way, I, I, I think there is a I think there needs to be a deviation to the model. Yeah, Brian says you have the right pieces to stick with the model. When you lose those pieces, it doesn't have staying power. So does this also mean then we got the wrong pieces? If the if the plan was not to change or make changes, do we get the wrong pieces if they're not fitting the puzzle the same way? Absolutely. And I'll tell you this right now. If the plan was to not change, then I don't know what the bleeping Christ and shit ever happened at FSG or behind those walls. Because giving Klopp an extension, then going out and buying players like Elliot and Carvalho made no sense. It really didn't. If there was no plan to change. Because all summer, when we saw those moves, we talked all summer, right? We said it's Carvalho. Elliot, even years ago, we saw it coming. You even saw it starting. I thought the purchase of Tiago was to go to two at the pivot like they had it in Bayern. Yeah. With like, yeah, it, it only made sense. Like, that was something I always thought when we went that move. I thought that was a slow burn to a 4 2 3 1 to a 4 2 2 1 to like all different formations. Like, I and he just kept going out there and being like, yeah, I don't care if it's Tiago. He's going to play in Genie's spot. <laughs> like, but we can laugh, but there wasn't that much rotation where we knew it was Genie's spot and it was Mane's spot. And it was, right? Like, now we talk yeah. about, like, filling. Who's going to fill Bobby's role? That doesn't happen at other clubs. I got to be fair. City wasn't like they lost Aguero. They went to a false nine. They won a league by one point and they pipped us and they couldn't win the Champions League. And they were like, shit, we better go out and get Holland, right? They ripped up everything. And they were like, well, we have this great number nine now. We should play around those skill sets. Yes. I mean, you can still modify, like you can have your, you know, the big picture but you can make small tweaks to it. And I think that's what we're kind of lacking. Like if you do not have, but I mean, you, when you play, I think it's a bit easier for city to be able to do that because of their big picture. It's a lot more control, slower pace, you know, keep the ball, keep possession and stuff. Ours is a more like the heavy metal thing where, you know, it's a lot harder to modify and make little tweaks because it's just like constantly going so, at you. So you can't just change that and say, okay, well, we're not going to press there suddenly. It just, it has to be nonstop. So if we do that, right, and I agree with you, 
could we logically have gone through the last three and a half to four seasons the way we have without actually buying to strengthen the side and think we were going to keep playing to that level of pace and power and, 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 and not have the wheels run off? You think I mean, they how- underestimated the power of like the beating that last season would be? Where or maybe we didn't expect to we normally just trot, trot out the kids over there, get eliminated early in the league cup and stuff. When we were like, Oh shit, man, we keep advancing over here, and maybe underestimated, you know, that success of being able to possibly get like freaking like four trophies and stuff and chasing that, and kind of like did not see the toll it would take overall on the squad. Because it's not like it was a very deep squad to start with. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I honestly I don't I don't know if they underestimated it, Tmuchin. I'm not sure. I I think they honestly thought this team was gonna be just as geared up like coming out of last year's 63 matches. And they were just going to show up like piss and vinegar and like run through a wall and compete on four fronts again. Like, I do think in some ways the recruitment is a little arrogant and naive. But I think we've talked about the manager being that way at times with like running down contracts and like being so loyal. Like, I, yeah, I exactly, exactly. I, I, I do, and I'm not going to, and that's not a, you know, everyone gets all up on us anytime we say anything that's critical of the club or critical of the manager, right? No one wants to hear either. You can shit on these players like they've done nothing for us, like everything, people. Like, seriously. But you can, like, bang on a player. You can call Trent a terrible defender. You can, you know, rip on... uh but even Henderson. then, there are layers, Galley. Like there, are, I was just telling. Like I think we were talking with like Megan earlier today. You know, Van Dyke can take a shit in the middle of the box, and then it will be somehow like Matip's fault. Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, there are definitely angles. I mean, there are layers to this. No question. Um, no question there. I mean, just try to ridicule anything that Virgil's ever done. In this side, you're just, I mean, he, he delivered everything great. I mean, Allison rolled the ball to a Wolves player. They kicked it in the net. <laughs> Other than the dude from Texas who doesn't like his hair, I don't think there's a single person that would have a problem with that all day long. Um, but there, there, there are some guys that get away with it. There are some guys that get criticism, right? But ultimately, we we don't really lean in on the manager. We don't really lean in on the players. We go all in on the owners at all times. Yes. And I think, you know, as I mean, when you say we, you mean the fan base, right? The fan base. Yeah, I don't yeah. mean we as in the show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we as in supporters, Um, you know, with one day less left in the transfer window, I think we would be remiss to not at least acknowledge that we went out in this transfer window where all we needed was a midfielder and got ourselves another attacker. I am all for it because I think he's a really good player and I think it was a smart buy at a good price. And I think in the long run, he'll turn out to be a really good purchase for the club. And I think that as much as we needed midfielders, we actually had more of a need on January 2nd when he was purchased for 
an attacker on the left. Yeah. Then we actually needed a midfielder at that right. moment with the injuries we had I didn't and want not to knowing how long steps back and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that clearly the club knew that Bobby was going to be out a lot longer than we were let to be known because we thought he was coming back at any moment. Yep. So for me, I'm fine with them making that move. Do I wish we got a midfielder here in this window? I do. Um, but like, are you worried that the club wasn't able to do anything in this window at all to help with this midfield based on like how much we needed it? Honestly, somehow not really. Cause if we're not going to make an actual big move and get somebody we need, I do not want another Arthur or, you know, Ben Davies and stuff like that. I just don't want that. I mean, on, unless you're really going out and finishing the deal on Bellingham or getting, I don't know, whoever, like somebody who is going to be bought, not just like loaned as a patch up that we know, you and I know, and probably everybody should know that club is not going to probably play a whole lot anyway because not going to trust them and stuff. If we were going to just do a move like that, I'm not for it. One thing I would be for, and I think Alan was talking about it earlier in the comments, I wish we would invest and roll the dice a lot more on players like Taki. I thought Taki was an excellent move. You know, like low cost, low risk, paid huge dividends, was a big factor in that squad, scored a ton of goals, big part of how we won that cup. I wish we took more chances with those players that are 8 million, 12 million or whatever, young or maybe in a smaller league. And see what happens. Because I feel like the worst case scenario is you're probably turning around and selling him to Bournemouth for the same price you bought him. Or you're losing a million or two. But the best case scenario is he's the next Robertson. I mean, we're talking about it this morning. Like when we signed Robo, nobody was like, yes, left back problem solved for life. No, nobody thought that. It was like from us. And we were like, oh, he's a solid player. Let's see what he does. Nobody was like really excited that summer that we signed Robertson. But you got to take more chances like that. But I feel like that goes back to that is not on the owners because obviously they're willing to spend 80 or 100 on one guy. That is not on the owners. I feel that is on club and he does not like big squads and he doesn't want all these guys who cost 8, 12 that might or might not be able to do it and will need rotation to get their minutes and to get into the groove. I wish we did more of that. You know, in this window, maybe I got a guy or two that might not save our season this year, but maybe perhaps if it pans out, could be a big part of next season. So I'm pretty sure that Alan meant, and I know I know why you brought up uh, Minamino. I think he actually meant Matomo from the, the, the kid from Brighton that scored the goal yesterday being the two and a half million dollars. Oh, oh, okay. But, but I know what you mean, and I'm I'm with it too. I think we should be trying to sign those players. You know, I think that's where the problem is, is that we had the, you know, Matoma and Caicedo and Gross and yep. Estupian and all these players, right? All these players at Brighton, they were all signed for under $10 million, every single one of them. And every one of them sells for 60, 70, 80 million. You know, the Nunez kid, we supposedly had a chance to sign him for 26 million in the summer and we turned it down. We had the deal all lined up with Sporting Lisbon. Whatever reason we didn't get him, he went to Wolves. And now it's talks about us 
making bids for 40, 45 million for him in the summer. You know, I do think it's hard. I think it's a, it, it is a mixed bag. The manager wants what he wants. And I think we should get him that whenever we can. I also think the transfer committee has to bring in players, but I would say this. It's funny to say it. We made a great money on Minamino, right? And it was really good money. We doubled our profit. He was here for a few years. We won a trophy. I think the player and us both wish he was still on our, in our squad right Probably. now. Because we could have used him this year with all the injuries we had up front and having a player that understood the movement we wanted and how to like score goals and cheap matches. Because he could have played all these cup matches that we're arguing. Imagine if he had our right players now, in. in the middle. Well, I don't know if you saw Divock's goal yesterday. It's only his second of the year, uh, but it was a stunner from outside the box, like an absolute banger. They were down five to two in classic Divock fashion at five two in the eighty seventh minute. He put up a worldy, and then he basically like walked off the pitch, like looking like I don't even know why I'm here. Is there a fashion show tonight? <laughs> Back to a fashion show. Uh, but I mean, that's the thing with like Taki. It was a good move to move on from him because I think we all can agree that he was never going to be your starting 11 guy. But that's when you make your money. Now you roll the dice on the next one. You get a couple of Takis and see what happens there. I mean, Kazi says, I think he wants more off the finished article than less he has to take chances on. Well, that's how you go broke. And that's why this uh, system has not worked. That's why we run out contracts of players that we can get money on. And then we complain about the owners somehow instead of the manager who's kind of like running down these contracts, not getting any value of current players that you can sell. When is summer when we can't sign to a guy to an extension? He's got to go. Like, you don't want to be here? You got to go. Because then let's use that money to bring somebody else that at least we know wants to be here for the next two, three years. Because when you went to January, now you're showing your hand to everybody. They're not going to pay you the value. And now you're like, well, that's not enough. Well, then you get stuck with it. And if you need examples, I mean, look at the, every year, there's one or two guys that we just let go that we can probably make money off of. Where, where I agree with Kazi's point here about doesn't he do this with Carvalho, Ramsey, Elliot, Taki? You know, he doesn't mind taking those chances, but he also wants lads drop into the team. I absolutely agree he wants those players to drop into the team. Where I disagree is, is that he really has never given Carvalho, and maybe he has, and Carvalho has just been an absolute failure and it won't work in this system. But it seemed to me like we all had questions about where he would fit into this system when he was a Fulham player being linked with this system. And in Ramsey's case, he's just gotten no chance, whether it be injury, he's had some run in the under, you know, the youth teams. Elliot has gotten his shot, and I think the manager clearly loves him, and Taki didn't work out. So I think there are those shots you give those players, but I don't know that Carvalho or Ramsey have been given any chance to actually integrate into this side to a point where we know what kind of player they are. Or the manager... Ramsey, like you say, is probably more on him because of injuries. He has not been healthy enough. But even when he was healthy, I mean, I guess he missed the preseason, so... Maybe he was healthy, but not fit, because those are two different things. Like, he was able to play, but not to the level that we want and stuff. But I agree with Carvalho. When we bought Carvalho, nobody thought 
oh, this kid is going to be a great left winger in this system. I mean, who thought that? I hope to God Klopp didn't think that. Like when we bought this, oh, this is going to be great on the left wing. I mean, I guess, you know, we had like Diaz and stuff then anyway. So I don't think that was the plan. We just never played him. I don't think it's fair to, I mean, we do this with Curtis sometimes too, you know, play a midfielder as a left wing and then expect him to play like a left winger and then complain when they don't. I don't think it's like kind of uh, fair to the player too. Uh, I think he wants more of a direct system with Darwin, but to say where does Fabio fit in, we won't know until he has all his players. Have been yeah, Fabinho and Henderson have been space jammed. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> that is, that, that's the that's the biggest problem. But here's the thing: I mean, very well put, Kazi. Stick with the plan, but there is also something to kind of like stick with what doesn't work over and over again with the same personnel and hoping something else is going to happen three days from the first time. Especially when it's one thing when a player has a bad game, a lot of misplaced passes or you know like missed chances. That's fine. But when you keep looking at your squad game after game after game, and they're nowhere near the miles they were putting before, you got to realize you're not, you're doing something wrong and make changes accordingly either. And that's when I went back to, that's why I asked you about like the pep thing. I think when, if you have a system and this is what that system demands, and if you don't have that, you got to be able to kind of bring your system down a little bit and adjust that way. So having said that, how do we adjust the system or what do we change going to Wolves? Do you think it's the same lineup, maybe with Nunez in there? Uh, what are you making with the lineup there? Because this is these are like pretty much must-wins if you're going to make top four. Well, I mean, it is absolutely the same back five. Um, okay. May, maybe you give Matip a start. Over Gomez? For Oh, of course. I mean, it's not for Kanate. I mean, Kanate was the best player on the pitch, in my oh, opinion, yeah. in red. Um, and if it wasn't for Kanate, we'd probably lose that thing as embarrassingly as we lost the one in the league, to be honest. Um, but I, I think you have to start the same back five. At some point, you are going to have to give Costas some playing time, and you're going to have to give like some of these other players, not James Milner, starts. Um but I think it's 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 Montep, uh, maybe Darwin. I wouldn't take Gakpo out, but it's hard to take out Elliot at this point with him scoring goals. So maybe Darwin over Gakpo, Matip over uh, Gomez. So okay, so you guys are removing Gakpo from the eleven. Yeah, I was almost wondering, do we shift Elliot back to midfield, maybe instead of like Keita? I I, I think it'd be harsh on Keita right now. I think Keita's given you like three or four of the best performances in a row. He's given you in about a year and a half. And and to Kazi's point, as sick as it is, Klopp has settled on the fact that Keita is in the best midfield along with a 19-year-old. None of us knew their goddamn name uh, last year. <laughs> like, literally, not one person on this podcast knew that kid's name last year at this time. We definitely couldn't and pronounce it when he showed up. <laughs> I can't pronounce it now. I think it's Basetic is what it is. But... Um, I, I think that's the thing, though. I think that Brighton game where Klopp said afterwards, I think it took that long for him to realize that. And I think that's a weakness when you keep... I mean, we're talking general. I think maybe he thought after the World Cup, it would be a whole different scenario. We'd be more back to where we were. But 
obviously we were not. I think he waited too long. I think that Brighton game was probably the turnaround where he came back and said, I got to make some changes and actually took some responsibility instead of, you know, the blades not being green enough on the grass or, you know, like being too short, too wet, whatever the case is. I think finally he kind of like realized that some changes have to be made. And I think that midfield has done well. That's why I feel the front three has to help that midfield, you know, convert a couple and force the turnover. And, and I would like to talk about this, and we'll talk about it on another pod. We don't have enough with five minutes to go here in the hour. Um, in some ways, is it a testament that Tiago is still in the midfield? Or is it just speak to how poor this midfield has been? That the only midfielder we don't complain about is Tiago, yet all match when we're talking no one says a single thing about what Tiago is doing all match long. Oh, I was bitching side. about Tiago the entire. No, but, I'll be honest; I no, thought but, he was one of the weaker ones. He and, has, but been. I, and I guess that's, I, I guess in a kind of like a side conversation to maybe table a comment for next week, right? I actually think Tiago has been one of the poor midfielders for us all season long since August. It cost him a spot at the World Cup. He can't get into the Spain team outside of a couple of 18-year-olds. He looks like he's a little slower, still playing Hollywood passes and not really giving anything else on the other side of the ball. Yet he has played almost every single minute of every single match we've had this year. Yet all we do is complain about the inefficiencies of this midfield. And we can hammer on Fabinho's lack of form and, and Henderson dropping off off the planet, right? But maybe it's the fact that Klopp has almost built the midfield around what he wants Thiago to be doing, and it doesn't work for anyone else. And there are a lot of people that actually will make the argument that since Thiago has come into this side, we've actually slowed down, and we won two nil-nil, you know, penalty shootouts for trophies last year and in some ways it was the team that won the title and went to the other champions league final and won it like we played different before he was the, here i think it's a really that good everybody bitched about that it wasn't creative enough and we needed a creative midfielder and stuff like what is i i love and that's what drives me nuts with the fan base is suddenly genie is the best player in the world People could not wait to get rid of Genie. What does he even do and stuff like that? And they were like, well, we should have always kept Genie. Really? You weren't saying that shit before. And that, that, but that goes back to, I think, what we were talking about earlier with Van Dyke and stuff. I think if Thiago, if Hando played like Thiago and Thiago played like Hando, it would be called out instantly the number of bad passes that, you know, Henderson is making. What is he doing? He can't pass to the guy next to him and stuff. I think because. I mean, he is so smooth. He is a joy to watch. I'll give him that. Oh, he's, he's a, a wonderful really player. So smooth on the ball and stuff. But the number of, like, I mean, misplaced passes that he had in the last two, three games. And I'm talking simple passes. I'm not talking, oh, I thought you were going to make run that way. And it's not a matter of, like, people not being used to playing with each other. This is a guy, like, right next to you trying to kind of, like, almost be a little too fancy at times. And that stuff is nice and cute. And it looks good when you're up to zero already. And, you know, you're just like almost like, you know, adding, putting salt on the wound. But when you're chasing a goal, when you're chasing a game, 
that's frustrating, especially when it's misplaced. But I think, I mean, I totally agree with you, but I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Certain players can get away with that without getting the criticism while others can't. And I think that's like the, the biggest problem there. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I mean, I, you can flip them back and forth. I'm not saying like Hando has played great. I just know that oh, if no, Hando played them. like Thiago, it would definitely be called out a lot more like you're saying like that Thiago is being called out. That's that's all. I was just it it just feels awkward because in this year of you know, Klopp's done a good job actually of kind of managing the side, in my opinion, with regards to poor play. He's yanked Trent at times. He's subbed off Matip in a you know at at moments where he wants to make a moment or a point um, about what he's frustrated with on the pitch. It just feels like maybe maybe so many players are struggling one or two have been able to hide or skate by under how poorly everyone playing is playing around them. And I think it just comes back to the fact that this entire side just needs a swift kick up, you know, side of the ass and figure out how to start winning matches, accumulating points and qualifying for the top four. And the Justine needs a run of wins. I think uh, Brian was talking about earlier that, you know, like the next four games and stuff. This team just needs to be able to string along a couple of wins. One pretty, one kind of ugly to remind you that we can win ugly. Another pretty one. You know, like you need games like that. I think like apart from that, like Bournemouth massacre we had, we haven't had like we didn't continue to build on that. We didn't have like three, four of them back to back to be like, okay, they're back. And I think that's especially attacking. It's a lot of confidence. And I think that just it's not over by the time this podcast is over chelsea would have signed four blairs by now i don't i mean that's another conversation to get to and that just looked like they're like buy the guy oh wait there's an improved model i didn't know that well let's sell him then and let's just buy him it's just uh, yeah it's just some of the moves that i think to me that shows you can make moves but it has to make some kind of a sense and have a plan. what we were talking about earlier have a plan at time but that's a conversation for another day i'm sure thursday podcast the boys will probably focus a lot on uh the like the transfer deadline let's, and stuff like that on wednesday morning we'll talk about a lot of other thing as well go ahead Gary. well let's end with this positive note and it's always great to end with a positive kazi drop if liverpool win four on the bounce we win ten I'm so sure. And you know what? I don't actually disagree with him. I think if we were to roll off four or five wins in a row, I could see us winning eight, 10, you know, getting 12 out of 15 results, whatever it is. Like, I think we, we have every bit in our power to go on a big, huge run here. I think we have a chance to go on a big run here through the champions league. And we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on that in the coming weeks when we get closer to the champions league rounds. I think we have big, big opportunity here, but this is the thing. It can't start until we actually have a performance. Yeah. yeah. Let's get <laughs> a, we talk about four wins. Let's get a win. Yeah. And that's the thing. You got to start somewhere. And I agree. I think, I mean, this team, I think club was talking about like, you know, that he didn't become a shit manager overnight and he was probably never as good as everybody thought. And this team did not become shit overnight either. Correct. I mean, this just shows that confidence and like constant winning is huge in professional sports. I mean, regardless of what level these guys are at and how much experience they have and their international captains, blah, blah, blah. Confidence still plays a huge part. And I, this team is clearly 
lacking it right now, second guessing everything they're doing. And I think the only way to get past that is string along a couple of wins to be able to do that is to get the first win. So do we get the first win this weekend? Give me a score. Yes, we get a win. I'm not giving you a clean sheet. I'm going to say it's three to one Liverpool. I like it. I'll go with 3-1. I'll double up on that. Uh, yeah, 3-1 sounds about good because, yeah, I don't trust as much on the clean sheet either. But I do expect a much better performance. I think we are building on something. I don't know. Maybe it's just like wishful thinking. And transfer deadline or, as Kaza says, for Liverpool Tuesday, uh, do you expect a like, last-minute surprise or it's going to be let's stick to what we got? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday sounds good. Well, speaking of Tuesday, we won't be back Tuesday, but we'll be back Wednesday morning. Uh, I'll be back in the morning and then Thursday night. Obviously, Mecca and the gang will be back. I'm sure they'll preview the Wolves game a lot more and they'll probably talk about the transfer deadline and some of the moves that were made around the league. And all the moves that we'll be making tomorrow uh, will be that as well. Brian says 2-1. Let's just stick with the 3-1 over here. Let's not muddy the waters and uh, have a nice weekend for once. Well, Gally... Thanks a lot. And thanks to all those listening, commenting. Always appreciate it. Give us a like and share and all that good stuff. A lot of good content uh, coming up. Our writers are constantly churning out stuff and not the usual uh, clickbait stuff that you get everywhere else, but actually uh, articles that thoughts went into, which is a nice change when you see some of the junk out there. But uh, we'll be back. I'll be back Wednesday morning with our very own Egyptian king, uh, Bo and Mommy and all those guys. Uh, we'll see you guys then. Take care.